Welcome to Troll Black TV's weekly podcast where we feature the world's most extreme athletes. This week we're featuring Beth Rodden, who was the first woman to free climb two major routes on El Capitan. The Nose, a 514A that was originally established by Lynn Hill, and Lurking Fear, which he established with her former husband, Tommy Codwell. But Beth didn't stop there. A few years later, after sending a slew of 514s, including the Optimus, a 514B she established at Smith Rocks in Oregon, Beth captured the first ascent of Meltdown, a 514C D single pitch route in Yosemite that to this very day has remained unrepeated, despite numerous attempts from climbers like Ron Kelk and yes, even Tommy Godwell. It gives me great pleasure to introduce Beth Rodden. Beth, welcome to our show. First of all, major kudos on Meltdown. It, oh, thank it, you. Blows, it blows me away that your route has been unrepeated since 2008 when you put it up. Are you surprised as well that I haven't seen another ascent? Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, there's so many climbs in Yosemite that I can understand that, you know, there's lots for people to do. Um, although I have heard of a lot of people trying it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a great climb and I'm, I'm sure someone at some point will go and and be able to do it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, sooner or later someone's going to. That's for sure. And you know, when you were working on it, what made you believe that you actually could do it when so many others, like Ron Calc, who bolted the route, the anchors at the top, and Carlos Traversi, and of course Kami Tallwall, had all failed? What made you think you could do it? Um, well, I didn't really take into account that others failed or whatnot. You know, I I hadn't talked to Ron about it. Um, I think he had gotten an injury while he was working on it. So um, I think that's what, what stopped him. And then, you know, I when I'm excited about something or when I'm um, driven by something, I just, I get, I get pretty, pretty psyched and pretty focused. And so this, this had my attention, you know, I was inspired by the line and, and I was, um, and I was excited to put as much effort as I could into it. So Oh, right on. Do you, yeah. do you think the uh, 14C rating might be underrated, that it actually could be harder? Oh, shoot, I don't know. Um, I think ratings are so hard, especially on a first descent, um, because at least for me when I've done, you know, I've only done a, a handful of first descents, I know that you can totally get tunnel vision, you know, and you can, like, get sucked into one way, and then somebody else could come around and be like, well, why didn't you, you know, oh, what about this way? And and it's a much better way, or it's a it's a different way of thinking of it. Um, and so I think that the grades are so personal and so subjective that you know it could go, it, it could be harder, or maybe somebody could come and find a different method, and it could be easier. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Um, I think that it was so hard for me to to even think of putting a grade on it, just because it was something that took me forever um it was like the longest time i'd worked on a single pitch before and and so to rate something like that you're never quite sure we know if if you found the best way or if you got stuck somewhere along the way or maybe you know you were feeling really strong and maybe it is harder so it's it's hard to know (laughs) yeah no it's very subjective especially when you're dealing with cracks like the anatomy can also play a, a role in that you know if you don't have the right size fingers for example um it can make a big difference. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. Yep. Do you think that played a part too? And you have do you have smaller fingers than say Tommy? I do definitely have smaller fingers than Tommy. Yep. Um and so I'm sure that, you know, some of the holds I could use in different ways than than he did, although, you know, he's also nine or ten inches taller than me, so I think you need to take that into account and people's body compositions are totally different, you know, he's much more powerful and um so I think I mean I think that's one thing that's so cool about climbing is there's it can cater to so many different body types and so many different strengths and so many different weaknesses that it really becomes your own. So um obviously there are climbs that, you know, if there's a hold in one place and then it's, you know, several feet um to the next hold with nothing in between then, you know, it it would help to be taller, but I think for the most part um you know, you can you can figure out your own way with problem solving no matter what size fingers or how tall or, you know, um, or what your strengths and weaknesses are, which I think is, is really unique to climbing. I couldn't agree more. Did you name the route or was that a name that was already provided by Rod? Uh, no, I, I named it. Yep, I named it. And, and what was the reason behind that name? It's a cool um, name, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you know, I really struggle with names on on roots. Um, well, meltdown because I did it um, on I think probably one of the last days of that season because you know spring had started to come and the the snow from the high country started to melt and the waterfall was getting bigger, so it was making the route um, pretty wet with spray. So I named it after that, and then also just because you know I'd gone through so many ups and downs on it. Um, and, you know, taking so long and that sort of thing that I definitely had my fair share of meltdowns on it. So it was kind of a, <laughs> a double <laughs> meaning there. <laughs> when I heard the name, that, that's what I automatically assumed that, you know, yeah. if you exactly. get on this route, you're going to have a meltdown, <laughs> <laughs> Or at least I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You battled a number of injuries uh, after that, um, well, because of that route. Um, what was that like for you dealing with that? You know, during my injuries it was it was really hard. It was um it was probably one of the hardest times that I've gone through, uh coupled with having a bunch of injuries. I was also um it was also the end of my marriage to Tommy, so it was this it was a pretty hard time for me in that, you know, in the past I'd always relied on my body and climbing to kind of work through things. I think maybe a lot of athletes do that, you know, if you're, mm -hmm. or a lot of people, you know, if you're going through a, a hard time, you go out for a run or you go climbing or you go into the mountains or, you know, you get on your bike. And so to not have that outlet was, was pretty hard for me. And I think I struggled with um, wondering if I should even stay in climbing because every time I started to try and climb or try and get on one of my projects, um, it seemed like I got a new injury, you know, it was, I popped a pulley finger or I tore my labrum in my shoulder or, you know, I broke my ankle. It was kind of this cascade of injuries for a handful of years, actually. Um, and I think in retrospect and at the end of that handful of years, I realized that it was a, you know, they were a blessing in disguise because when I had to, you know, really face the prospect of, oh, do I want to, you know, keep climbing? It's causing me all this anguish. Um I really took a step back and realized that, you know, I loved climbing so much no matter what level. And I started climbing 
at a really elementary level and going out with people that, you know, I never would climb with before, you know, my neighbors, and we go out and climb classic 5.6s and 5.7s in the valley that I'd never climbed. And it really reminded me and showed me that why I got into climbing. And, you know, it was so fun and, you know, it wasn't necessarily to always be pushing the boundaries and pushing my body. Um, and so I think the probably one of the best lessons in life came from those injuries, which was, that, you know, I love climbing no matter what and that I have a smile on top of my face, you know, when I get to the top of the manure pile buttress or when I get to the top of El Cap. So it's, I think it was a, a blessing in disguise. But during during the moment, it was, it's pretty hard, you know, when, when you're so used to being able to set lofty goals and use your body as this vehicle to see how big you can dream and how far you can push things and then not be able to do that. It's a it can be a hard adjustment for sure. You know, I think that happens to a lot of us. You know, we, we an injury happens or and then you're not able to do what you used to do. And we have to keep reminding ourselves of why we get to climbing in the first place. The very first time you discovered climbing. And yeah. I think that that's that's the glue that keeps you in it. Yeah, exactly. And I you know, I feel really lucky because I have a lot of peers and friends that um that are amazing climbers and once you know you lose that that you know ability to really push yourself and you know climb harder and harder that they they stop climbing altogether and you know I totally understand why it's a very um attractive and you know somewhat addictive way to like use use your body you know because it's it's so fun to like dream big and and see how far you can push it but I think there's also there's so many different facets to climbing and um being able to recognize that and you know see the joy in climbing regardless of how hard you climb is I think it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it is. Did you um train specifically for meltdown or was the climb itself a training? Um the climbing itself was the training. I had just done another one of Ron's um masterpieces piece um up in Tuolumne, so I had you know, I had been climbing on that, and I did it, and then, you know, came across Meltdown, and, um, you know, it was a lot more powerful than a route than I'm than maybe a lot of the other climbs in Yosemite that I I've done, um, which isn't my style at all. Um, I'm you know much more comfortable standing on my feet, and and it's very technical, but it, you know it's slightly overhanging, so you definitely need some power in your arms. Um, so I think the route itself was really good training. And then, you know, I definitely added in some bouldering and some training in my garage and and that sort of thing. But usually when I have a hard route and a hard project, that is pretty good training for, for mm-hmm. its own right. So when you are training, because it sounds like you do a little bit of it, what kind of training do you do? Uh, you know, it totally depends. If I, if I have a project, I usually climb on that. And then, you know, if I'm not too spent, I come back to our home wall. And, you know, I'll climb on that. Or if it's like a really pumpy endurance route, I'll do, um, you know, endurance training in the gym. And then otherwise, a lot of times I've, I've had issues with my shoulders. Um, I had to have, you know, surgery on my labrum. And I've had notoriously loose joints so I try to do a lot of different shoulder strengthening exercises um and now coming back from you know having 
our son Theo, my core is pretty weak, so I've been trying to slowly ramp up my core, but um, my abs split during pregnancy, so I've been trying to be super careful and not come back too quick with with the core. Mm. Yeah, it's so important, the core. Yeah, it's really important. It's, it's, and I don't think it's, it's necessarily a strength of mine usually either. <laughs> so so um, what do you think is more important? The What plays a bigger role, the physical fitness or the mental mindset? You know, that's a really good question that I've been asked before, and I think it's different for each individual. Um, I know some people really struggle with motivation and, you know, the psych to train or the psych or the know-how to train or the know-how to get stronger. And for me, that's never really been an issue. Um, I'm always maybe a little too excited, and maybe that's why I've gotten injured a lot too is because I want to keep pushing my body. Um and so I think, you know, I think the mental barrier for me is is always there or is, you know, always pretty good for me in that like I'm always excited, but I think the physical is is harder for me, the physical, the actually getting stronger. I'm always wanting to get stronger and I always have enough psych and energy and motivation to get stronger. It's just whether my body can handle it and whether I can actually get there. So, but I think it's totally different for some people. I think, you know, there are some physically very gifted people out there that, you know, struggle with the motivation or mental side of it or whatnot. So, um, I think the motivation has never been waning for me, but the strength and, and then sometimes maybe a little bit of the fear. I'm, I'm kind of, I really don't like falling. So to get past that is, is definitely a barrier for me. Do you have uh, any technique you use to get past that mental barrier? It kind of depends on what it is. You know, if it's, like, really bad gear, I'll try and, like, test the gear or get really comfortable with my gear. If it's a really big fall, you, maybe I'll practice falling. Um, or sometimes I'm just so scared that I don't let go, which is a good way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, I, a lot of people know you're doing all these really hard routes. But what I find really impressive and equally impressive is that uh, you're on-site routes that you've done, uh, like Phoenix, uh, 513A Yosemite, and Grand Illusion, 513C, and Sugarloaf. Um, yeah, by the way, I, I came close to on-site in that back in 1984. Oh, that's awesome. Fell right, right at the lip. Uh, it was just one, you know how some climbs, they just happen to be, you get on it, and I don't know if it's just your... Um, your, your mind and your body cycle at that moment. You have to be climbing strong and the crack happens to be just the right size and you read it right. And bam, yeah. you all of a sudden, I, it surprised me. I, was, I thought this was going to be a, a major siege. And next thing you know, I'm the lip and it just, I was so surprised. I, I just happened to slip off. I was like, going, oh my God, I, I was right there. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, totally. Yeah, so when I heard that you did it, I'm like going, right on. You know, it's like, that's so cool. Because that's an amazing route. Yeah, you, you know. So wait, did you say Grand Illusion? I didn't on-site Grand Illusion. I definitely I on-sited the Phoenix, but not Grand Illusion. That one. Oh, okay. Took I me, thought I heard that. Yeah, no, no, didn't do that one. Um, but that's amazing that you you almost did that. It's a rad route. It's really. It, it, it was just pure luck. <laughs> I, can't any, I can't take any credit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think on-siting. I think I got a lot of that. I used to, when I first started climbing outside, you know, I, I grew up in the gym and, and then I started um, competing and 
and you know that's what competing is is onsiting and so when mm-hmm. i would go outside i would just try and onsite things and i actually didn't even understand how to red point anything um, interesting yeah it was really interesting i wrote i would go up to smith and i would just try and do things first try and if i couldn't like first try was actually my best try it was really funny and then i get back on if i want to try and do it and i I would do worse and worse. Um, so it took me a little while to figure out how to actually red point. Um, but I do think there's something to like that first try that you're trying your hardest. You're, you know, there's, you don't have any preconceived idea of how to get up. So you're just really, you know, going with what feels natural. Whereas a lot of times in red pointing, you're like, oh, trying to remember or, you know, voices come back in your head that are like, oh, you felt better last time or you grabbed the hold with your right hand last time. So I think it, it is pretty cool on sighting. Um, I think it it's something that I really enjoyed, at least back in my comp days and when I first started climbing outside, for sure. I, I'm still in love with on sighting. For me, it's the ultimate. When I see someone on site or if I on site something, I get the most uh, satisfaction from that because I knew nothing about the route. And, you know, call it luck, call it whatever. You just have to read it right. Um, but I'm in the same boat. If If I don't get my first try, um, usually my second or third try is, unless I happen to realize that I screwed up the sequence. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, my first try is usually the best. And for me, I didn't, I wasn't brought up in competition, but I was more came from a, a free solo background. Yep. Uh, and so when you're free soloing, there is no second try. You have to do it. Um, and so when I approached the route, it would be always on with an on-site mentality. And yeah, I, totally. So I totally get it. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And I mean, yeah, I think, you know, especially people, you know, like you that probably have a really rich history in climbing in the outside um, from the beginning really took that into account. And, and like, you know, free soloists like John Backer and, you know, those people. And so I think it, it's pretty, it's a neat, it's a neat thing. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, you know, when you um, did the nose, um, you know, for a long time, a lot of people thought that uh, it's like, oh, when's someone going to do it? And then when I heard that you and Tommy did it, um, that to me, uh, I mean, I always thought that when Lynn Hill did Freed the Nose and she did it in a day, I still to this day, I think it's one of the most amazing routes, most amazing accomplishments done of our time. It's just, it still blows me away. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, yeah. So what was that like to you when you did it? Oh, man, that was such a dream come true for me. Um, I started climbing the year that Lynn did it. So, you know, every gym that I would go into, every place that I would go would have, you know, that poster of her that, you know, that that iconic poster of her on the last pitch that said, it goes, boys. And, <laughs> you know, it was just like I idolized her from the beginning. I didn't even know what El Cap or the nose was, but I was like, I want to be like her, and I'm going to do that one day. And, <laughs> um yeah, so it was it was a goal of mine ever since I started climbing, even though I didn't even know what it entailed, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, Tommy and I, like, I'd always had the idea to go do the nose. I think most people that aspire to free climb on El Cap have the idea to do the nose. I mean, it's the, arguably one of the most famous routes in the world. Um, and so, you know, we'd come every spring and every fall and, you know, inevitably in the spring it was seeping or, in, you know, it was always crowded and we'd make all these excuses. And then finally one year we're like, you know what, it's always going to be seeping or it's always going to be crowded. 
So we just need to embrace it and have that like enrich our experience and and it was great. I mean, we met so many parties on it and it was really cool to meet all those people um who had their own rich experience on the nose and and for me to be able to go up there and and you know, do something that I've been dreaming about for so long and and something that, you know, one of my climbing heroes, Lynn had had done, which was so far ahead of her time was I mean, it was it was like a dream come true for me for sure. Which pitch was um the hardest for you? Oh, for sure, the changing corners, without a doubt. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent for me. And how did you do that? You know, I went in a little bit lower than Tommy and Lynn. Um, I must have like a little bit shorter arm span than Lynn, because um, where she went in, I could reach tip to tip, but I, I, it was such at full extension that I couldn't actually turn my head. I don't know if you've ever been at full mm-hmm. extension, but you know, you like can't turn your head, so I couldn't actually move off of that. So I went, I went in a little bit lower and. Um, and climbed in from there. So it was the same technique that, you know, that Lynn and Tommy did. You know, I think she um, coined it the Houdini move or something like that where you're, you know, you're kind of just like wedging yourself in this corner and, you know, expanding and trying to expand in the corner, um, but so slick that it's really hard. But it's, I mean, it's really fascinating. It's such a cool, cool pitch, and, and it really plays into a lot of the reasons that I got into climbing, which is, you know, the problem-solving aspect of it. You know, you get to this pitch and, like, how the heck do I make my body, you know... Contort. Contort and, like, make upward progress on this on this pitch, and this is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how was the great roof for you? It was amazing. It's it's really cool. It's um, It's much more, like... It's less valley funk than the the changing corners and more you know, just like a a long, hard crack climb, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you get pumped and you have to use your feet really well and, you know, place gear and, and that sort of thing, but it's less, it's less, you know, trickery <laughs> and more just, you know, straightforward. Yeah, fit, mm-hmm. fitness and straightforward. Yeah, exactly. And get all that pre-placed gear already in place so you got to clip and go. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the horizontal... There's, you know, fixed pieces in there from people lowering out and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's always nice. <laughs> well, major kudos on that, certainly. And Thank switching you. Gears, switching gears to sport climbing. Yep. When you when you sent to Bolton on to be back in 98, um, from the youngest woman to climb 514, um, that was equally impressive to me because I had been on to Bolt um, back in the 80s. And yep. And there was a bunch of us um, that were trying to, like Scotty Franklin and them, they were try- all trying to be the first one to get the second ascent of that. Yeah. And, you know, I just could not link all the moves. I could get up, but I just could not red point it. I could not link the moves together. And so kudos. Oh, <laughs> thank was, you. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, I just was baffled by the climb. It was just so beautiful. And, uh, and when I actually was there when Scotty Franklin redpointed it. And it was oh, just cool. amazing to watch. Yeah. That must have been awesome. Yeah, we kept trading belays. He was making better progress than me on it. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it's an it's an amazing pitch. It's so beautiful. And it, I mean, he stands at the bottom of it and you look up and it seems so improbable and blank. I mean... It, Even when you're on it, it seems impossible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. I mean, I I always love getting on routes that are just you know striking and beautiful and inspiring, and that is 
all of those things and so much more. And it has such a rich history, you know, so it's pretty cool. So did you do Tobolt first before you did the Optimus? Yeah, I did Tobolt, um, gosh, I was like 18 or 19 at the time. And um, and then I did the Optimist, when was that? That was like 2004, so I was like mid-20s at that time when I did the Optimist. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a handful of years later. So did you name that again, the Optimist? I did. Josh and uh, Brett Lowell, who were filming me on it, helped me because, I was, you know, it was one of my first, first, first ascents. And so I was like, I don't know what to name it. You know, I have no idea. And and they had been with me through the process of doing it, and, and they came up with a couple names. And I was like, oh, the Optimist. I like that one. So. <laughs> well, it sounds like you are the Optimist. Well, and I think it was a bit taboo or a little, a little bit of pun because, you know, I definitely get into the mindset sometimes where I'm like, oh, man, I wonder if I'm ever going to do this or I don't know if I'm going to do it. And so they, I think that was a little bit of a, a play a play there. Play there. <laughs> do, you, yeah. do you think you're an optimist by nature? Gosh, I think, I mean, I think with most things, yeah, I always try and, you know, see the the good parts. Um, although, I mean, it's definitely not a blanket statement. I think for sure when I'm you know, in a hard or tough spot in life, it's it's hard to see good in everything when you're really in a rough mm-hmm. spot. But, um, you know, I think it's also good to to be in that spot and to learn from that spot and to feel that hardness, you know, and, and I think then that can actually make you probably a little bit stronger in the end. Yeah, no kidding. I've always found that um, my most difficult challenges whether it's on the walk or just in life in general, always become, when you look back on it, my richest experience is where I learn the most. Absolutely. No, I've, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, it's hard to see that silver lining when you're down <laughs> or when mm-hmm. you're in a in a really difficult situation. But I think, you know, once you've been there before, then you can kind of remind yourself of that and you'll come out, you'll come out, you know, much stronger and, and much more well rounded and and I think it's you know it's good to learn from that. Yeah. Do you do anything to quiet your mind at all? Like meditate or yoga? You know, I don't do anything like um uh organized or, or much like that. You know, I think breathing is good and always for me getting outside into the mountains and getting fresh air and space is always good. Yeah. I couldn't agree more there. Yeah, I've been asked this one question a few times, and I would love to hear your opinion. Yeah. How would you compare a 514 trad to a 514 sport? Oh, man. Um, I guess it for me it just totally depends on the route. Um, you know, if you're talking like 514 changing corners versus 514 steep tufa climb in Spain. <laughs> exactly. They're like totally but, different, but if you're talking like, you know, 514 steep, pumpy crack climb versus, you know, something like, you know, to bolt or not to be. I think it, yeah, it totally depends on the route. I think both of them require probably a lot of the same skills, which is like technical and, you know, knowing how to climb tired and knowing how to try hard and tap into your into your resources. But, mm-hmm. you know, with trad climbing, I do think there's that element of, you know, knowing where to place your gear, knowing that it's good, um, and actually I think, you know, having the, if, if it provides, you know, you're having the option of placing it in different spots is, is nice. Um, 
whereas sport climbing you can just be really pumped and just go and clip. So, you know, I think both are – I like the challenge of both. I think they're both really fun. Um, but there's, like, one more extra step in trad climbing, I'd say, usually. Yeah, and quite a bit more steps, actually. you got to actually yeah. carry the gear up with you, and then you got to figure out which one goes into the right size crack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, back in August 2000, you were in the news. Uh, you were in an expedition, well, climbing expedition with uh, Tommy Cottle, Jason Smith, and John Dickey in Kurdistan, and you guys were taken captive by the Army rebels. Yep. Um Tell us a little bit about that. Has uh, do you have any nightmares looking back on that? Is it did it take you a while to get over that whole experience? Yeah, you know, um, I totally had nightmares in the beginning when I when I first got back, um, and I went to to see you know a therapist to help me get that. But that was as kind of as far as I took it at that point. Um, you know, I think for a litany of reasons. You know, I was young. I was twenty and. Um, and, you know, I think some, some people in the climbing community are like, oh, you had a good epic that puts hair on your chest, you know, type of thing. And, and, and also, I don't know if it's, you know, the climbing community that I was surrounded with or my own insecurities or, you know, probably a little bit of both, but I think therapy was maybe a little bit taboo. And so I just kind of, you know, tried to bury it and move on. And, um, and recently I've actually, you know, gone and, tried to get through it a little bit more. So I, I've been doing good, actually. I haven't been having any nightmares or anything like that. So, I mean, it was well, a really... What, com- what comes up to you? With what? That whole experience. Um, I mean, honestly, like, I can kind of think about it now and, and be okay with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Not much comes not much comes up, except just yeah. remembering the experience. It's not like I'm, you know, scared to think about it or anything anymore. That was a pretty horrific experience. It sounded like a, you guys really were fearful for your lives, like if you didn't do something drastic, you're all going to die. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we didn't know what what these captors wanted with us. We didn't know, you know, what their plan was or where we were going or anything like that. We were just, you know, kind of at their mercy. Were you afraid that they were going to possibly rape you just throwing that out there i mean yeah in the beginning for for sure um but the guys had the good idea to try and get across that tommy and i were married at the time because maybe they would respect that more um but yeah in the beginning i was definitely we were all i think we were all afraid of that wow so one tell us about that night when tommy pushed the, the guard off the cliff there was it a decision you all made that you had to do something? You know, the the entire time um, the guys had been talking about, you know, trying to escape and trying to overpower them, and I was always really scared about that because, you know, I was like, oh, we, we can suffer with the best of them. Let's just suffer it out. I'd rather, you know, not do something stupid and, and get killed. But, you know, after six days of of, you know, eating – like an one energy bar each and being free, you know, we were at like 11,000 feet, so freezing and starving and terrified, you know, I think all of us were kind of getting really scared and, um, yeah, the guys were talking that this was a good opportunity to perhaps 
escape because we were quite comfortable climbing up this hill or this, you know, ridge type of thing, and our captor wasn't. And so the opportunity presented itself, and, you know, Tommy took it. Wow. Well, I can only imagine what that had to have been like. I mean, just the adrenaline pumping and the thought of the repercussions that they caught you. And So when he pushed him off, did you guys just immediately just start running? Yeah, we did. You know, it was at night, so we didn't know necessarily exactly how far he fell or, you know, if the other captor that we were supposed to be meeting was, you know, close behind. So, yeah, we just started running. John and Jason knew that there was this army base down Canyon, you know, a ways away, and so we just started running towards that. Wow. Well, what ex- lesson did you get from that whole experience? From the whole Kyrgyzstan experience? Yeah. I mean, I think I got so many lessons, it's probably impossible to really describe them all. I mean, to go through an experience like that is, you know, it's pretty intense. And, um, you know, I think it it echoes throughout every portion of your life. And so I think mm-hmm. to, to pin it down is probably pretty impossible. But, um, yeah, I mean, it it definitely has an effect on, on most things. Yeah, because, you know, what you went through is every climber's worst nightmare about going traveling abroad. Yeah. You know, find themselves in the middle of something. Did, do you have any idea what you could possibly be getting yourself into when you went? No, we didn't. We were just think, we thought that we were going to this, you know, idyllic alpine climbing area, which it totally is, you know. It's it's amazing. Um, but we had no idea that, you know, that was a possibility. Of, you know, obviously if we would we did know that, well, there's no way we would have gone. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, it makes you so that now, before you go somewhere, you better really do a little research to find out what's going on politically. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, rumor has it you're getting back into peak form. Do you have any particular project in mind? Oh, I don't know if I'm getting back into peak form. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> well, that's I'm, the rumor uh, going around. Well, <laughs> that's very kind of people. I'm definitely not in peak form, but I'm, you know, climbing as much as I can and, I've got a little boy, so um, he takes a lot of my energy, and um, yeah, climbing. Well, now that you're a mother and a few years older, how do you see yourself channeling your spirit of venture and climbing in the future here? Of how, how, where I'm going from here in climbing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I, I mean, I just feel it might sound cliche or whatnot, but I, you know, super feel super fortunate that. Um, that I love climbing for climbing and no matter what. Um, and I also, you know, love pushing myself and, and I've got a little boy that, that, uh, I can kind of share that with and, and a great community of friends that, you know, that are really like-minded and we can travel together and, you know, go climbing and have our kids hang out together. And so, you know, I think I'm going to just keep doing more of the same that, if I can get back to big projects and climbing hard, that's great. And if not, then that's okay, too. <laughs> that's a great attitude. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Where, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Uh, let's see, 10 years. I don't know. I mean, let's see, probably doing more of the same. I have no idea. That's a good question. I'm, I've, uh, I've learned that life always throws you twists and turns, so it should hmm. just to be to be okay with that and excited to to try and tackle whatever comes your way. 
Well, following that theme, what words of advice would you like to give to younger women that would like to get into the sport? Oh, man, I think it's an awesome sport for women. Um, and I think even more so now than when I started. When I started, there were hardly any women, especially young girls, um, climbing. And it wasn't until probably the last handful or 10 years ago that I started climbing with women a lot more. And it's just, it's great. You know, you can go out and it's very supportive. It's a very collaborative sport if you want it to be. Um, And, you know, I think that climbing can provide so much for so many different people that you don't have to go out and you know just necessarily climb with the guys are climbing um you can go out with your girlfriends and and have a great time or or you can go out with you know your guy friends or your husband or your boyfriend and have a great time i think that there's so many different facets and so many different things that that can you know that climbing can provide that it's awesome i think that any women that are thinking of getting into climbing should definitely try it and i know that a lot of the the gyms around have women's clinics and and there are a lot of women's um, clinics and trips outside run by different organizations. So I think it's it's super. I think it's great for women. I, I couldn't agree more. I think the word has gotten out that women can be just as good, if not better, than men. And, and that's really driving the number of women participating as well. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely don't think it's like it needs to be, you know, a male-centric sport for sure. It's It's totally what everybody you know, what you want it to be, and and that's great. Well, finally, what words of inspiration do you like to share with the Triple Black community? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think what always inspires me is just genuine people having a genuinely great time and respecting, you know, our natural environment. And so I think that if anybody can do that, then it's you're going to have a fantastic fantastic experience in climbing. Right on. Thank you so much, Beth. I can't thank you enough. And you truly been an inspiration to, I'm sure, all the listeners and definitely myself because I've been following you for a while. Thank you. Oh, yeah, no, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Right on. And uh, good luck and enjoy your son and enjoy getting back into peak form. We we would love to see you on Don Wall, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Man, I'm not sure what you can say to top all that. But one thing is for sure. Beth has taken the sport of climbing to a level that very few have gone before, male or female. It's just a fact. And I think if we listen to her words of wisdom, we can all be inspired to be the very best that we can be. And if there's one thing that I've learned in life, it is this. We're only limited by the limitations we place on ourselves. Are you pushing yourself right now? Are you committed to a plan? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to succeed? If you aren't, well, you got to get with it. Get on it, man. Just hold your feet to the fire and push yourself like you've never pushed before. And if you are doing it, stay with it. Keep pushing yourself like you've never pushed yourself before because if you keep doing it, eventually, yes, eventually if you stick with your plan, you'll end up climbing as hard as Beth Rodden. Until next week, my friends, this is Dan Goodwin with Black TV, your entertainment source for extreme sports.